Welcome back to our third episode of Wait, This is Deep. Today we are going to be having a conversation in an interview with our school counselor, Amanda Frederick. We plan to ask her different questions to get professional insight and, and advice covering a variety of topics. Hope you enjoy! Okay, so we're, we're here with Miss Frederick, and we're going to interview her about some questions about mental health. So first, what led you to become a school counselor? Okay, well, um, I got my LPC like over 10 years ago and really wanted to work in like hospital settings. And so I started working um, at a behavioral hospital, so like a mental health kind of inpatient facility, and then moved to UT Southwestern to do research um, for in-school mental health programming. So that's how I started working in schools was like they would send me all over DFW to deliver like mental health. There's a program called YAM that they still do. It's really cool. Um, And I came to Green Hill and I knew my predecessor like the school counselor before me and she had told me that she was going to be leaving and so just kind of was like if you should apply and I really didn't think much of it Um, but what's interesting in Texas is if you want to be a school counselor at a public school you had to have taught for two years but in a private school you don't and I didn't have any teaching experience so if I wanted to be a school counselor yeah 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 like be a teacher Um, and I don't have like a teaching degree I don't have any I'm actually like it's a my undergrad is in broadcast journalism so I had like no no experience at all with any of this. Um, but it was really appealing because you get summers and hours are a little bit better. And especially working in hospital settings, like it's pretty demanding. Um, so I didn't really take her seriously and honestly didn't apply at first. And then she kept reminding me, like, we're getting applicants. You should really apply for this. Um, and then once I did and came to Green Hill, like on a different level, I was like, oh, this place is super special. And I didn't need a teaching degree, but because I was licensed, um, as a mental health professional, that was enough of a qualification to be here, um, as it is in other private schools. So it wasn't necessarily that I started my career, like wanting to be in schools. It just led to it. And, uh, Green Hill was, is truly like a perfect place to be a school counselor. Our next question is what is the importance of sleep or like, how do you recommend having better sleep management? Because we have like a survey and a student like asked about, um, tips for better sleep management. So what are your recommendations? Okay, so sleep is like my huge platform. If you guys decide to do a separate episode just on sleep, I can totally (laughs) chat for hours about it. Um, What's interesting is a lot of our issues, like I don't have a percentage, but a lot of things that we report as being like areas of concern for us, like even irritability, having a hard time kind of, uh, managing things, concentration, all those sort of things can really be helped by substantial, consistent, really good sleep. <laughs> yeah. And teenagers are supposed to be getting like 10 hours, which is wild. Cause I know y'all aren't like maybe, yeah. maybe sometimes <laughs> like on the weekends, maybe are you like binge sleep, but it's not consistent. Um, so sleep hygiene is a big one, which I think people think hygiene and they think like like literally like brushing my teeth before bed or making sure I'm like showered before bed. No, we're talking about like the the kind of your routine, your bedtime routine. So having something consistent, which is good for us, like in all aspects of life, but especially when it comes to sleep. So trying to fall asleep and wake up around the same time every day. I mean, you can give and take, give or take about an hour and 90 minutes because obviously on the weekends we want y'all to sleep in. Um, But making sure that you stay somewhat consistent and when you fall asleep and wake up, No one wants to hear this, myself included, but like not watching TV right until you go to bed and not scrolling right until you go to bed. And I am as guilty as everyone else is for sure. Um, But when we look at like circadian rhythm and the way that light influences our ability to like simmer down at night, um, even just a little false light that comes from your phone can trick our brain into not 
thinking that it's like, yeah, that you're not sleepy. Um, now, actual hygiene, yes, if part of your routine is making sure that you've washed your face, brushed your teeth, like, doesn't have to be elaborate, but all of that is setting the tone for winding down. And when we stay consistent with it and we get a routine going, our body does start to like receive that and kind of process it appropriately. Um, so some sort of routine that you stick to that you're consistent with, it takes about six weeks for us to get through any sort of transition. So this isn't the sort of thing that you can do like, well, I had a good week. I should be a good sleeper now. Like, no, it's, you have to be pretty diligent and persistent, um, making sure that the room is dark. So I even have like eliminated like night lights or, um, like an alarm clock maybe that has a little light to it. Yeah. Well, and then it's crazy because I have a toddler and everyone talks about using like night lights for them, which to me seems counterintuitive. I guess it's different depending on your age, but yeah. for the most part, the darker the room can be the better. Okay. Um, sound machines are still great. So if like you really find that sometimes the silence is too much, there's like white noise, brown noise, blue noise, like a bunch of different variations of frequencies that you can listen to. Um, and deep breathing. I know everyone, again, is really tired of hearing that. There's one exercise in particular called progressive muscle relaxation that you can Google. There's um, like audio clips of someone that can instruct you how to do it while you're falling asleep, but that's a really good way to kind of get out of your own head if you're one of those anxious thinkers where sometimes you just can't shut your brain off at night. Um, this focuses on you focusing on every part of your body, kind of tensing it and relaxing it. And mm -hmm. it's long enough because we're moving from your toes to your head or vice versa. Typically, it takes about five to seven minutes. That can be enough to just shake some of the... Is that just like breathing and thinking about your body? Yeah, so specifically for progressive muscle relaxation, let's say if you're starting at your toes, um, you can instruct yourself through it or you can listen to something on YouTube if you just Google it but it'll be like crunch your toes or flex your feet for five seconds and then relax them and then do it again and then let it go. And then you move up to like your knees and your legs and your hips and your belly. And like, you're just flexing everything and then releasing it. And that can also just help get you out of your head, but into your head in a way that helps you kind of calm down at night. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of different factors. Reading is also really great. Um, it's just disconnecting us from our phone, from the light as much and kind of winding down your brain. Um, but sleep hygiene is a big thing. So again, that routine, making sure you're consistent um, and trying to stay on top of when you fall asleep and when you wake up. Okay. Yeah. Like I usually get home pretty late at night because I have dance every single day oh, after yeah. school. So I like sometimes won't get home to like 1030 and then I first have to like shower. It's a whole process. Eat, like do yeah. homework. My parents would be like, you should have enough time. Like you get home from school, you know, at like six or whatever after sports. But then there's like a whole routine that you have to like eat dinner, like shower and like wind down too. Mm -hmm. I think like coming home from like school and sports, like, yeah, like you technically could be doing like work, but mentally like you need a break for day. eight hours at school. Yes. You know, I will say some of it is legitimately unrealistic for y'all. Like I, I want to validate you on that. Like when you are doing dance or sports or whatever until a certain time, I don't think anyone can expect you to come home and just immediately feel like you want to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So there is like a fine line of figuring out like maybe it is shortening your bedtime routine a little bit some nights as long as you're yeah. consistently getting... I mean, I love six hours at the least because, um, again, it also totally rewires us from like a neurological standpoint, like that whole idea of sleeping on something like before you make a decision or before you mm -hmm. act impulsively on something. Mm -hmm. It's because your brain is like cleaning itself up at night and like getting rid of the information you don't need, retaining the information that's important to you and truly giving you new perspective on stuff. Yeah. So all that to say, 
it is important to prioritize it. And I think we might realize that like some of the other things that we're doing throughout the day to help ourselves feel better, we may not need as much if we just got consistent sleep. Does that make Actually, sense? Actually, that's yeah, so, true. That so true. And sometimes we've been more efficient with our time. Sorry. I like yeah. always say I'm so tired. Like every day I'm always so tired. But then I realize like <laughs> I probably could have gotten more sleep the night before. Yeah. Which it kind of becomes a cycle then because yeah. then like obviously throughout the day you're really tired, but you're still like I still like go to bed yeah. pretty late. We look. What are your thoughts on now? So it totally like, depends. There's like a bunch of like neuroscience behind it that I can't necessarily speak to in the moment, but if you need it, you need it, right? Again, like it is truly one of those things that if we are completely exhausted, tapped out on sleep, like we definitely should take a minute to relax and take a nap if we need to. The problem is, is if your nap is interfering with how tired you get at the end of the day. So it's finding what works for you. It's a little bit of a sweet spot, but if you're napping right when you get home from school, which like I've had students tell me before, yes, but then they're not going to bed until like midnight or one. Uh, It's a tough, I would rather you keep going so that you can get to bed at a more consistent time because what we really want is like consolidated sleep. We want it in one big chunk. Um, And so sometimes if we spread it out with like a couple of different naps, it's not going to do the same. We're not going to reach REM. We're not going to get to the same like benefits that we would if you have a longer consolidated amount of sleep. Um, So again, if you come home from school and you really only slept like four hours the night before and you like truly cannot function unless you take a 30 minute to an hour nap... Sure, but we'd like for that to be the exception versus like your ongoing routine. Because again, you're not going to get any of the benefits of sleep if you're not getting that long consolidated chunk of it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What is, what are your thoughts on like the importance of eating well? Like how is what we eat, like how does that affect like our our lives and our mental health and like everything everything. and when we eat and what we eat? Yes. So actually that kind of ties to sleep too. There's this saying I was told years ago that um, like if you feel like you really want to act on something and you're feeling super worked up about it to halt. I know it's not spelled the right way, but H-A-L-T. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And if you're any of those halt. Just pause for a minute. Um, Our gut health and our mental health are so closely tied together. Again, it's not necessarily what I can speak to a ton, um, but a lot of it comes down to like blood sugar, right? Like if we're hungry, I don't know about y'all, but like I'm a different person. Yeah, like always for me, it always happens so fast. Like I usually am like not hungry and then all of a sudden it just clicks and I'm like starving. Like there's not even like a point where I'm like kind of hungry. Wait, that's okay. Yeah. I'll like realize I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, oh, like I'm really hungry. And then it like, it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. It's oh. why I keep snacks in here because like nine times out of 10, y'all like I'm not belittling anybody's problems, but like when they come in here, it's like, when's the last time you ate and how much sleep have you had? Like mm-hmm. th- these are yeah. two big things that we have yeah. within our control. Um, I am not the healthiest eater. So I'm not going to sit here and tell y'all that we need to be eating like all the spinach and all the veggies (laughs) and all the protein and things like that. Um, But when we look at blood sugar, that's really important. Um, So that's actually changed some of my habits in the morning, like trying to eat something with more protein before I have a cup of coffee. Because otherwise, if you think about having caffeine on an empty stomach and the way that that affects your blood sugar, it's going to spike, which sometimes can make us feel like rattled um, or a little out of control sometimes, which some people like to feel that way but we got to think about then you're going to crash right so like the the nutritional piece is huge Um, and the research study one of them that I did work at at UT we would do a stool sample for every person that would come in for mental health stuff because there really is a huge tie between Mm. our gut health how we're feeling and our mental health Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I may not be the, I'm, well, I'm certainly not the expert on all of this, but I do know that if we can be more aware of what we're eating, keeping snacks on hand, just making sure we don't get to the point where we're like so hungry that then we sometimes binge eat, yeah. you know, or we'll eat whatever is in front of us, which is not necessarily what's best for us. <laughs> yeah. um, so being intentional about like what you keep on hand. And again, it's not about like eliminating all junk food. I'm not into that at all. Like it's all about balance, right? Mm-hmm. So like indulge, treat yourself. Like we're here to have a good time and to enjoy ourselves socially with good food. Um, but if you do notice that maybe your eating habits aren't that great and you notice that you're irritable or like not feeling your best self, food is a really good way for us to not hyper focus, but like take some control back and help ourselves feel better from a mental standpoint too. What do you recommend? Like, eat, like, are there certain foods that are like better than others to eat or not really just like, I'm sure again, like, I don't know that I can really speak to all of it. I, I, there's this new, I don't know if it's a wave of information, but like protein seems to be a big thing that we're talking about more like not keto necessarily, but just like making sure that the snacks that we eat are really filling and good for us. Um, I think fruits and veggies are great. Um, Carbs are also wonderful and we need them for a lot of reasons, but making sure, for example, I had a nutritionist tell me that the best way to eat a banana is with peanut butter. If you can not just have a banana on its own because that's going to spike your blood sugar because bananas are really, really sugary. Um, Same with an apple. So someone would certainly need to do their own research and talk to a dietitian or their doctor about this sort of stuff because it also has to do with like your personal makeup. But in general, I think we find that protein's good for us, healthy fat are really good for our brain. We know omegas are super helpful. So that's fish, avocado, things like that. Um, but also a bowl of pasta is great too, depending mm-hmm. on what you need. And if that like, variety. yes. And if that makes you feel good and like fills a spot in your heart, then like by all means, but everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. So, so we just made two episodes kind of about social media. And I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts about like social media? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I feel bad for y'all for like how much (laughs) it like encompasses your life. I feel super grateful to have like been on, like I had my space and like, that was about it. Um, it's a lot y'all. It's just a lot. I don't know. It's, I think it's certainly rewired some of like our younger generations. I don't know how these middle schoolers who have had it forever. Like that's just gotta be the comparison piece I think is one. I really feel for everyone that, you're wired right now to worry about what everyone around you thinks about you. Like that's not a fault. That's literally your brain chemistry right now. So if you pair that with platforms that are literally meant to compare you to other people, it's like a perfect storm. Um, we know that it's too much screen time for everybody and it's not helpful screen time. Um, so there's that. I think it also just opens y'all up to like a lot more information that even I don't know how to process as like a 35 year old necessarily. So it's just hard. You have access to so much more, um, which can serve us in like really great ways and then not so helpful ways. Um, I don't know. I just, again, everything in moderation. Like I wish there was a way for us to find healthier outlets for y'all to connect. Um, do you use social medias? Like, how do you use it in your personal life? And with, like, your kids, what are, like, your rules for them? Totally. Well, that's another thing is my husband and I talk about this all the time because I only have a three-year-old, so, mm-hmm. like, we're not there yet. But yeah. I think the goal is to, like, eliminate it as much as possible for as long as we can. Um, I've heard someone say that, like, I mean, once you give them access to Instagram, it's, like... <laughs> Yeah, just you can't, take it back. you can't take it back, and I don't know that. I think parents need to have a lot of conversations yeah, that's true. before you're given access to that mm-hmm. kind of thing because 
no one knows how to manage like some of the things that you stumble upon. I don't use TikTok. Um, I'm old, so I see TikTok reels like on Instagram. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I'm still like I'm just Instagram robust. Like I mean, I have a Facebook that my parents also have. Like, and I think, but. Um, I don't know. Some of my best girlfriends are like really, really successful influencers and that's how they're making like really, really good money. Um, and they don't show their kids on there. I know some people do. Um, but I don't know. I just think it requires constant conversation with the adults around you to make sure that like everyone is on the same page. Um, which makes me feel like I'm becoming like a paranoid parent, but it is scarier. I feel like I hear some of the stories y'all tell me and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is so scary. Yeah. I feel like there's like, cause we had like a whole conversation about like what we would do if we were parents, because ideally I think we would both say that we would want to like, like what you said, almost eliminate it from their lives. But at the same time, like we don't want them to be, like, kind of, like, excluded from everything and, like, fall behind. Because if everyone didn't have social media, I think it would be much easier. But the fact that, like, now it's kind of like you're, like, the oddball to not have it. Mm-hmm. Like, have you and your husband, like, ever, like, talked about that kind of? Or, oh, for sure. Like, for sure. Because, I mean, you don't want to be, like, <laughs> you don't want to shelter. And this goes for a lot of different things. Like, you don't want to shelter someone so much so that, like, their first time experiencing anything is college. Where it's, like, there's no safety net. Like, your parents aren't nearby, assuming you go out of the city or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um so yeah I don't know that I we know yet I think we're gonna have to figure out like what the personality Mm -hmm. is of our kid Mm -hmm. um but no I don't want to like withhold it forever she's got to learn digital citizenship and like online literacy right that's just like a part of it um when I used to teach wellness we would often have like a class where we would share like actually helpful pages you follow like it doesn't have to be this like awful dark pit you know what I mean like you can also follow like feel good pages or like news sites like legitimate ones you know what I mean like so there's there's ways that you can make it as it was intended to be and my husband always laughs because I actually like I like still keep in touch with a lot of high school friends because of it like Mm -hmm. in very organic Mm -hmm. like really sweet ways like I've reconnected with a lot of my friends from high school since we've all been having kids and like I seem to have really good luck with it like Mm -hmm. in terms of like I feel like I'm using it for what it was meant to be um in like a healthy way in a healthy way so like I see the benefit to it so uh, to your question like I don't know what age this is going to be I don't know what it's going to look like I know our middle school still does not allow phones on campus Mm -hmm. oh we like that yeah Yeah. we talked about that yeah. yeah and like the DC trip they can't bring phones yes yes and so um I hope that she's in an environment that helps us manage it too so we're not like totally alone as parents yeah we were talking about it and there's definitely like a balance to it because social media can be used for very good things like I love being able to like connect with my friends from like outside of school and other places but at the same time like there's definitely like a lot of negative sides to it so I feel like that's why it's tricky like there's a balance to it which is why like sometimes like it could be really good and other times it could be negative for sure um so what do you think makes a good relationship and like what are kind of like the core pillars of a healthy relationship like romantic and platonic like just a relationship in general what are like some key core values of them Ooh, these are big questions um okay so the first thing that comes to mind for like platonic or romantic is just respect like right off the bat like it doesn't matter if it's a friend or a boyfriend, girlfriend, like partner, whatever it is. I think if there's like a genuine respect for the other person that can solve a lot of issues that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, trust is a big one. And I think, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I associate that more with romantic relationships, but it yeah. definitely plays into like our platonic friendships too. Um, 
I would say those two things are really big honesty and we know like brain chemistry has taught us that we bond over novel experiences together so it's really fun when you have shared interests it's also fun when you can bond together over something that might be new for both of you and those that kind of experience or those experiences will create like the real lasting connection that you have with other people um that's why romantic relationships like first time for things is like it's hard for someone to let go because like that was that bonding unique experience that y'all had um but I would say definitely like respect trust um shared interests a sense of humor is like one of our biggest coping skills that we can use so how fun is it when you and a friend can like really vibe and like have the same sense of humor same with a partner um but yeah I think respect is the biggest piece lastly our last question is as like a therapist in a sense like you're a school counselor um do you ever feel like overwhelmed with I guess like not not like with everyone else's problems but having to like listen to all of them and kind of like try to always like help everyone else does it ever feel like overwhelming and how do you like deal with that so I think I I had a really good grad school experience it was just like the most fulfilling wonderful program and we had to go to therapy as part of being in grad school not for the entire time but it was like towards the tail end especially when we started seeing community clients and like really dipping our toes into it I think that was a huge benefit. I still go to therapy every so often um, because I really don't expect any counselor or therapist to be able to do all this without having their own outlet, you know, every so often. Um, But no, I mean, it sounds cheesy. I really think this is my calling. Like I, for years, I mean, all growing up, it was like, and I'm sure y'all have heard this. It's like, find something you can make money doing and you actually enjoy. Um, And I told y'all this was not my path forever. I started in marketing, tried broadcast, like did a million different things, didn't end up going to grad school until after a year of college, like out of college and had a job I hated. And then I realized psychology, like the undergrad psychology classes I'd taken weren't my thing, but the counseling piece was like, it was, that's why I was more like the applied work of like what it's like to work with people. Um, and no, like I totally, I totally thrive off of helping other people. I love working with teenagers. Like this is such a fun population to be with. Um, and I think I've lucked out that I've been in workplaces where, it really feels like I'm making an impact and like that to me makes me feel good. Um, so honestly, like, no, I mean, there are some days, I mean, certain times a year, like we're about to hear all the admission stuff back from people like this is stressful, right? It's hard to like, not totally ride that wave with y'all because I get so invested in you guys and I care so much for you. Um, but in general, this is like a really rewarding experience and it serves me like as much as I hope other people benefit from like Mm -hmm. me doing this. Um, but no, this feels really like a calling and it doesn't feel as exhausting as I think it can at times, but you got to keep your own boundaries. You've got to have a ton of self-awareness. Um, but that goes for any job. So just knowing kind of what you signed up for, how much you can handle and experience helps you with that for sure. Those were all great responses. Like, wow. I was, I was so interested like that whole time. I was like, wow. Like this is just, I think everyone's going to benefit from everything that you've said and I think we had like very like in like very interesting conversation yeah I definitely think I learned a lot especially about sleep because like I definitely know like a lot of teenagers don't get enough sleep and I don't think we truly realize how much it does impact us every day Mm -hmm. and like that 
like the tactics you kind of helped said that would help us like I think I definitely like would yeah. benefit from trying those and, and I feel like a lot of things we like covered today are things that a lot of people know like everyone knows we need sleep and we that we need to eat well and that we shouldn't be on but no one knows how to do it and I think you did a great job on helping everyone like come up with ways yeah. to actually achieve these things because like everyone will tell you like sleep more eat more but no one yeah, knows no what to do. to do that and everyone's just like oh like it's not like that big of a deal but when you actually have like the steps to do it like it motivates you to actually want to try yeah and like know where to start well it's important to talk to your parents talk to your doctors like talk mm-hmm. to people around you we have so many resources on our campus we're lucky for that there's a ton of community resources that most people can have access to so like lean into a lot of the other professionals that can help you with this stuff too but yeah i mean there's a lot of tangible things we can do especially for sleep healthy relationships like we have access to it we just yeah. need to tap into it yes. i feel like it was just a nice reminder that like a lot of like our mental health is like in our control i feel like a lot of people think that it's out of our control like we're just spiraling or like it's all in our head but we have a lot of control on how a lot of ways feel. we can um a lot of things we can do to make ourselves feel better and yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah that's great yeah. thank you thank you we hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode of wait this is deep make sure to come back next week for our new episode also don't forget to fill out the form in the description of this episode to share any thoughts opinions questions or advice you might have bye bye <laughs>